and welcome back to Trek Untold, the Star Trek podcast that goes beyond the stars. I'm your host, Matthew Kaplowitz, and this is a Strange New Worlds debriefing. On this show, we're going to review the latest episode of Strange New Worlds and follow that up with a very special interview. And making this episode extra special here today, we're going to have not one, but two guests on the Strange New Worlds debriefing. And on this mini-sode, we're going to be taking a look at episode 5 of Strange New Worlds season 2, Charades. Which I have to tell you, when I first saw the name in the lineup, I had no idea what to think about it. Like, it was such a, a red herring, I want to say. You know, for the most part, the Stranger Worlds titles have all been fairly evocative of what's going on here, but Shrades felt so broad that it was really hard to decipher what it was going to be about. But once you actually watched it, you definitely understood why it was called Shrades, and the title is way more powerful than you could have possibly imagined upon first viewing. And the power is definitely with us today as well, because joining us a little bit later on in this show is going to be the man himself in the pointy ears. That's right, we're talking to Ethan Peck. We're going to have Spock on board this episode of Trek Untold to talk about his time filming that episode, as well as some other things from the season and beyond. And not only are we going to spend some time with Ethan, we're also going to spend some time talking with Gia Sandu, a.k.a. Tapring. So we're going to have two separate interviews here with both of these actors talking about their roles, talking about being Vulcans, and breaking down this very funny episode and this very difficult relationship between the two characters. But first, let me give you guys some of my thoughts about charades here. And I have to tell you, you know, I know this is going to be controversial, but I loved this episode so much. And why I say it's controversial is because I know a lot of fans are struggling with the idea of Ethan Peck as Spock. And the reason being, I think, is because a lot of folks out there feel like Spock is being used in a way that's very foreign to who they believe the character is. And that's because this is really not exactly the same Spock we saw with the original series. This is a Spock who's been used on the show so far a little bit more as comic relief. He's very much been a lot more of like the humor in the episodes, for better or for worse. And there's a lot of Trekkies out there who are very uncomfortable with the idea of Spock being the jokester. Even if he is, of course, not the jokester on purpose, he is the convenient jokester there. I've seen a lot of discourse about this uh, on social media and different Facebook and Reddit groups. Even from some of my own listeners in the show, they've talked to me about this character and how they don't necessarily know how they feel about this and how they feel like Strange New Worlds and Modern Trek is kind of rewriting the Vulcans. That's the phrase I've heard from many people is that they're rewriting the Vulcans. So I got a lot of things to say about that, but let's just jump to the episode itself because I thought this was hilarious and I loved every minute of it. Like, I mean, I was laughing out loud hard for this one here. And yes, the butt of the joke was primarily Spock. And that's because we have to keep in mind, Spock is the fish out of water. That kind of was always how he was meant to be. He was always meant to be that alien character, but that didn't necessarily always mean being a stoic kind of character. It also just meant he is the one who doesn't quite understand everything going around him. And Ethan Peck's interpretation of Spock is very, very different from what Nimoy was doing, and even from Zachary Kinto, but it's still very much rooted in Spock, I believe. And I can see the merit in some of the arguments saying they don't like how Spock is being written right now, but I would also counter them and remind you that the Spock we're looking at in Strange New Worlds is not the same Spock we would be seeing in the original series, because this is still a few years away from that. And even just earlier in the season here, Spock got himself his very first musical instrument, which he's now practicing to help with his emotions. And that's the key thing here, is that Spock is not yet Spock that we know. This is the Spock that is still fighting his human emotions. He has not reached a higher elevation, if you will, of Vulcan meditation or whatever. He's still trying to understand his human part. And that means dealing with his human emotions, which he very much does not understand because he grew up on a planet that restrains themselves and doesn't let loose of their emotions. And there is, of course, a logical reason for that, as Spock explains, because Vulcans do feel their emotions in a much bigger way than a human does, so they are forced to push them back down and restrain themselves and show control. 
really, I could do an entire episode all about this, and I'd love to someday, in fact, because I really think this is very interesting with what they're doing with Spock right now. But yeah, again, I do hear the complaints. I do hear some of the folks that are not too happy with that. But I would say this episode, I would hope, would give them maybe a little bit more of a change of heart about it. And it's also kind of fun because episode 5 of Strange New World Season 1 was Spock Amok, and that was the one where him and T'Pring changed places, which was, again, a really funny episode. Once again, episode 5 is another Vulcan fun episode here, but it did have a lot of heart to it, just like Spock Amok did. So as the story goes, Spock and Nurse Chapel are going on essentially in a way mission to kind of check out something. But in doing so, they get sucked into some sort of timey-wimey space vortexy thing. And uh, well, in doing so, it would seem that they would both be dead. But whatever was going on on the other side of that space timey-wimey vortex thing spit them back out, but changed Spock. And in doing so, removed his Vulcan ears and removed all of his Vulcan green blood and turned him into a 100% complete human. So for the first time ever, Spock now has to be an actual human being deal with his emotions, and he is essentially just a moody teenager, and that is what makes this so hilarious. But it's also a nod to Ethan Peck's act and that he could pull this off and make it feel real as well, because man, the things that he does are just like so perfect. The little nuances that Ethan makes throughout this episode to portray his emotions, to portray him fighting his emotions, his understanding of them. Like, you know, he's not really entirely hamming it up, although there is some element of that, but he's taking it very seriously and trying to go through a whole broad range of emotions that is honestly like, if you look at it from an acting perspective, this is like a master class in that. Another key point about this episode is that T'Pring is coming on board with her mom, and that's because they're about to do their engagement ceremony. And that right there, it's just like the greatest rom-com situation of all time. Like, this is such a sitcom thing to have happen. Like, oh, I gotta do this, but there's other bad things happening at the same time. It was the absolute perfect setup. I was so happy that they did that. I loved it. It was so cheesy in like the best way possible. And not like bad cheesy, again, I just mean like, this is what you would see from like, you know, a 90s sitcom, and here it is in the world of Star Trek. I loved every minute of it. But there's still some serious stuff here. You know, number one, we're continuing to address the Chapel and Spock love thing going on here. Like, will they, won't they, that sort of thing. And spoilers, in case you haven't seen this, although if you haven't, I don't know why you're listening to this episode, but will they, won't they? Well, after the ceremony goes, and it goes well, mind you, um, T'Pring and Spock do decide to take some time apart, and that means that Spock can now explore his romantic relationship with Nurse Chapel. And that kind of leads into another really fun part of this, because as the crew is trying to figure out how to turn Spock back, they realize they probably need to go back to that alien entity and discover what the heck happened and see if they could change it back. But as they discover, that alien entity is like the worst customer service hotline ever. And so they are able to go back and do it, but Nurse Chapel has to actually say out loud that she has romantic feelings for Spock for the first time and actually address how she feels. So, you know, as much as this was about Spock coming to terms with his emotions, it was also about Nurse Chapel coming to terms with hers, just in a very, very fun way. I also enjoy the time that Pike has on screen because he is, again, just being a perfect comic foil. And he's the one that essentially named the episode with charades because in trying to buy some time for Spock, he says, hey, let's play the Earth custom of charades. And there you go right there. And I also got to give a shout out to the person playing Amanda Grayson, Mia Kirshner, because, wow, she was just amazing as well. Like, I think she did great work here. I had to look her up because I forgot that she appeared back in, in uh, Discovery as Amanda Grayson, and I, I'd forgotten all about her because we didn't really see her much in the last two seasons, and rightfully so because they were in the future. So it was good seeing her again, and especially to see her be able to do more and show more of her character. And this was equally an important episode for her, because by the end of the episode, Spock realizes his mom has been playing charades on the Vulcan homeworld for years with Sarek. And she's had to hide all of her emotions and be this one person for her family, for her son, for her husband, for the entire planet, while having to hide who she really is. And Spock finally understands that, and it was a real beautiful, heartwarming moment. Like, I think that is just such a wonderful moment, and Mia Kirscher did such a great job. So, yeah, really, 
so much wonderful acting, whether it's the comedy stuff, because there was a lot of great comedy from her as well. But again, the serious stuff as well, when it's there, they do it so perfectly and everybody nailed this across the board. Now I know that we have the Lower Decks crossover coming very soon, but man, uh, it's gonna have a hard time, I feel like, topping this one here in terms of comedy because charades, it's definitely one of the funniest of Strange New Worlds. Definitely one of the funniest of the modern Trek era as well. Man, they're, they're gonna have a tough time topping this one. So looking forward to see how they're gonna pull that one off. But I'd love to hear your thoughts on this episode here because I get the feeling this one's gonna be a hotly debated one on the social media world out there, uh, primarily because of Ethan Peck, Spock. And like I said, I'd love to talk more about this too. So if you wanna keep the debate going, go ahead, hit me up on social media, on Facebook, on Twitter, and Instagram, at Trek Untold. Or if you're watching this on YouTube, go ahead and leave a comment down below and I will get back to you as soon as I can. But now I think it's time for us to beam in our special guest this week. So let's go ahead and get this interview going. Computer, access interview file. Gia Sandu, welcome to Trek Untold. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So we're talking episode 205 today, Charades, and this is such a hilarious episode. This is the perfect follow-up to Spock and Mock. You know, Gia, Vulcans are not known for comedy. So what's it been like for you to play, in this episode especially, a restrained Vulcan who can't emote the same as human characters, but now you've got to deliver jokes? <laughs> well, you know what? The the process kind of started from the end of the episode when when Spock uh, says to, to Pring that he couldn't tell her about what was going on because she seemed so overwhelmed by her mother. And that kind of laid the foundation for me as far as how far I could go um, in depicting the human side and, and the emotional side of the Vulcan. Um, so, so it was, it, it ended up, you know, they gave me a lot of liberties. I was surprised at how far um, the director let me go in terms of being able to show some display of emotion. But I think it was, you know, really uh, just such a necessary part of telling the story and uh, being able to justify what happens at the end. Yeah, I think body language in this episode is so important here, and especially for Vulcans and really any portrayal of them. So talk to me, Gia, about how you wrapped your head around the physicality of Tupring and what the Vulcans are like when it comes to their movements and now trying to incorporate those movements into some humor. <laughs> well, I mean, we we get a look at uh, Tupring, her mom, and her dad, and we see three very different Vulcans. Um, and I really love that, uh, that we get that kind of insight that, you know, Vulcans, they're not all exactly the same. They're not robots. They are living beings, um, you know, who breathe and walk and uh, have their own opinions and their own uh, life views. And um, I mean, for Tupring, I certainly have a mannerism that I've adopted uh, which comes from uh, uh, the original portrayal of of Tupring in a mock time, um, and so there's certainly you know there's she's she's very upright in her posture, shoulders are you know far back, her neck is in alignment with her with her spine. Um, there's something quite regal about her, and I think we see you know that that a lot of that probably comes from from Tupril, her mother, as we saw in this episode. And then we see her father, who isn't really like that at all. <laughs> um, so we kind of get all these different types of Vulcans, you know, these different personalities that certainly do exist in within Vulcans. And um, yeah, that's what I really, really loved about about this episode, that we really got to show that. 
you know, as a Vulcan, we know that they like to do the uh, the people's eyebrow like the rock does, you know, uh, being able to raise one of those up there. Are you naturally someone who's gifted at doing the Vulcan eyebrow raise or did you have to learn how to do that? Oh, I practiced. Uh, I had to practice that when uh, when I end up in Spock's body um, during during the first season. And uh, it was one of those things I had. I had my cell phone recording myself in my dressing room, trying to get the eyebrow down because I can do it easily on the left side, but Ethan does it on the right side. So getting my right side eyebrow up, oh, that was a, that was a whole exercise. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I can't do either. So kudos to you for being able to do just one of them and now training yourself to do two. That's insane. Uh, What would you say is more difficult for you, Gia? Acting here in charades and trying to keep a straight face while Ian is going through his uh, very interesting journey through emotions uh, or acting as Spock like he did back in season one? <laughs> I think that uh, acting as Spock was was definitely a challenge. Um, that that uh, that episode was so special, as is this one. I mean, every time that we get to see, uh, I think, Tupring and Spock um, explore more of their love story, it just it's just such a delight for me. Yeah, and since we're talking a little bit too now about Spock and Mock here, and we mentioned how you did work with Ethan to kind of like learn some of his mannerisms. So I'm curious now, besides the eyebrow, because now we know that, you know, besides that, uh, what sort of things did you learn from Ethan when you guys were trading notes that you've now incorporated into praying in season two? We certainly talked a lot about uh, what it is to be a Vulcan and uh, the nuances there and uh, riding, you know, that very fine line between being not displaying very much emotion, but then also trying to sculpt a, pers- a personality. Uh, so like that was all, that was all very much a part of the discussions that we had, um, especially when we're doing, doing season one. Tupring's mother, by the way, is very scary. She is so scary. Uh, and frankly, that experience feels way too close to home for me. Uh, but can you, Gia, can you relate to Tupring's situation with her overbearing mother in any way in real life? If there's one person who can bring out the teenager in you when you're at any age and any stage in your life, it's your mom. Um, I think all of our, you know, the, all of our learned behavior as an adult kind of goes out the window when your mom is around and starts to push your buttons. And, you know, that, uh, that childlike behavior is bound to come out and it does in Vulcans as well. Now we know. Yeah, I'm curious to get your take also on this Chapel Spock romance from an outsider's perspective, but also an insider's perspective here, because I feel like this is a kind of complex situation. And, uh, you know, I've talked to Jess Bush about this also. It's going to be an upcoming episode of the show where, you know, I'm wondering if maybe Spock feels more attached to her because he can be more emotional with her and there's not really necessarily a romance. You know, as someone who's kind of there witnessing these things happening firsthand, What's your take on what you think Spock actually sees in Chapel and where this ultimately doomed relationship is going to go? <laughs> That's my new favorite um new favorite analysis on this that it's not romantic. <laughs> That's what I want to believe. <laughs> um you know what? That's a that's a really good question. Um I I think I think you're probably onto something there that it that it has to do with being able to explore his human side. Um, and, you know, I think that he probably often feels just the same way that Tupring often feels, which I think is very restrained by, uh, Vulcan, Vulcan culture. And, um, I don't think that she necessarily agrees with, uh, everything that Vulcans, um, teach and, um, the ways by which they live. I think that she often probably does feel quite suffocated by that culture as the Spock. 
Um, so I certainly understand his, you know, desire to, to um, explore his other side and his need for that um, because forget Spock being half human. I mean, to bring being full Vulcan, I think wants to run away from it sometimes. So I understand that. Yeah, you kind of mentioned a little bit earlier here uh, about some liberties that the director let you have while you're doing charades. And, you know, I, I kind of feel like I can't let that thread dangle too much here. I got I to gotta ask you, you know, what do you think was left on the cutting room floor? Were there points where you kind of went too far and had to get reeled back in? <laughs> uh, you know, um, I was I, I, I wasn't ever told too much, um, which was kind of nice. They kind of let us let us explore it um, quite fully. But, you know, you're I guess as an actor, you're kind of always aware of what the boundaries might be. And, you know, I certainly trusted the director enough. Jordan Canning is a fantastic director. And, um, and, you know, of course the eyes of the, of the producers and the writers are always somewhere. Um, so, so I, I felt very confident that I was in good hands and that if I were to go too far, that they would pull it back. Um, but, but that specifically, no, I don't think that that, that that did end up happening um even with I, I think probably michael who plays the uh the father i think he probably pushed it quite a bit as well um in terms of what, what we know vulcans to normally be like and and i think they just let us play and um they never really they never really said hey bring it in or anything like that it was it was kind of freeing and it was just a lot of fun to shoot that fun definitely comes through in the final version. I enjoyed every minute of this episode. I mean, Spock without his ears alone is hilarious and going through his journey, but then seeing Tapring also dealing with her stuff there, it's a lot of fun. You guys did such a great job in this episode, really. Thank you so much. It was so much fun to shoot, and um, I'm excited for, for it to be released. Now, you know, Tapring is a legacy character here, and just to kind of wrap this interview up today, you know, this is a pretty different version of who we saw. And to be fair, the only source material of her on camera is one episode, not a lot to work with. So for you, I mean, you're playing this character now. It's been two seasons. Do you feel like you know who this version of T'Pring is? And what do you think about the direction you've taken with her? I think every time uh, a new episode come, uh, a new episode comes out with her um, and I get the script, um, I learn, I learn more and more each time. And I think that, um, I now really understand a few things about her. You know, one is her devotion to Spock and her loyalty and her desire to really have this work. Um, and I think two is how meticulous she is about, um, you know, how, and how deliberate she is in the type of relationship that she wants. I think we picked up on some of that, on, on some of her eagerness uh, about this, you know, when she goes and starts reading all of this um, human literature on, on human relationships. And, uh, and then I think we also see, you know, her being just a very strong and empowered uh, Vulcan. You know, she has an incredibly uh, difficult job and a high stakes job and, um you know, she, I think, you know, so we see her dedication in that as well. And then I think we also see, you know, this, this beautiful, playful side of her um, that can come out, you know, in moments here and there. And, um, and so, 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 yeah, so now I, I do feel like I, I certainly have gotten to know her a lot more um, than, you know, than of course we all did when, when Amok Time was, was the only, was the only material on her. 
Well, I'm absolutely enjoying your time as to printing so much here. And, uh, you know, I'm rooting for to bring and spot to get back together. I hope it happens. We'll see where it goes, though. But uh, Gia, oh, I thank- love that. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but Gia, thank you so much for your time. Cannot wait to see more of you in season three. Hopefully some more of you in season two. We'll see what happens here. But uh, thank you so much for chatting today. Thank you. Thank you. Trek Untold will return momentarily. Trek Untold is sponsored by Triple Fiction Productions. Celebrating 15 years in business in 2023, TFP creates 3D-printed Star Trek and sci-fi-inspired items that fit into any collection. Whether you're a cosplayer who wants a Starfleet phaser, a Bajoran tricorder, or a Klingon dagger, or a toy collector looking for that special accessory or diorama to make your figures truly stand out, Triple Fiction Productions has exactly what you need. And for you figure fanatics, that includes products that are the perfect size for Galoob, Mego, Playmates, and everything in between. All products are 3D printed in the U.S., with new designs constantly being updated on their website. Repeat customers can sign up for TFP's loyalty program for free, where the more you order, the more discounts you receive. TFP also has a pay-what-you-want section, where clearance or misprinted items are available at a discounted price. Best of all, every product can be shipped worldwide. As a special bonus for listeners of this show, Trek Untold has a special discount code just for you. Enter UNTOLD10 at checkout for 10% off of all orders with no minimum purchase required. That's 10% off using UNTOLD10. To see all of their products, head to triple-fictionproductions.net. Or to stay up to date on their newest products, find them on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Triple Fiction Productions, where something is only impossible until it happens. So I'm very, very excited to say these words because I didn't know if it would ever happen. And I'm going to try not to nerd out here, but Ethan Peck, welcome to Trek Untold. Thank you. (laughs) Yes. This is very cool here. I'm very happy we're discussing this particular episode uh, because today we're talking about charades and Will Wheaton in season one of Strange New Worlds. He called Spock and Mock the funniest episode of Star Trek he ever saw. What? I challenge him. He did. He said that. And uh, I challenge him now to look at charades because I think this is the funniest one ever. Uh, (laughs) So, Ethan, tell me about filming charades and Spock's very unique role in this one. Wow. Well, I'm delighted that you feel that way and so happy to hear that. Also, I love your background and your T-shirt. Oh, thank you. That's that's the that's the baseball team, right? It is. That's the Niners. And I do want to compliment that's... you because your your t-shirt game is always on point at cons. <laughs> thank you so much. Check it out today. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> Folks um, who can't see it, that's E for existential dread. It's a beautiful shirt. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, some of that episode was insane because whenever I have to do something that's sort of outside of bounds for Spock, it's really nerve-wracking because I've got to figure out what feels authentic, what feels real, what is authentic and real. And I could not have been paired with a better director for that episode. Jordan Canning was my director for that episode. And she and I had so much fun figuring those moments out, figuring out how big to be, how human to be. Is there any remnant of Vulcanism in him? And yeah, it was a very intimidating prospect when i first got that script but it ended up being such a blast and so liberating yeah it feels like you're having a lot of fun doing this here and and in charades especially you know it's not that like spock is delivering tons of one-liners even though there are plenty of those Uh, it's more about like ethan peck's little facial movements and very subtle emoting that really seems so big on a vulcan right yeah oh cool i love that you that you got that from it 
Absolutely did. Yeah. I mean, how, how do you find those little moments there? Because it's very hard to like, like you were saying, not go over the top when you're trying to be funny. Yeah, gosh, I don't know. Again, I think I, I give a lot of credit to Jordan Canning's eye for that because, you know, how does how does this how does this version of Spock fit into the bigger picture of Strange New Worlds, the bigger picture of Star Trek, the bigger picture of, of Spock? And it's such an anomalous episode and experience for him. And I think the goal was to go as far as possible without becoming untethered, hmm. right, from who he is, to, to still be connected to who we know. And I, I hope we did that. I think we did that. It's, it was, you know, the first couple of days on that episode, I was like, I don't know. I don't know if this is working. <laughs> I hope it's working. Um, but it started to become very real and alive because he's so... I mean, Spock is so filled with wonder and excitement for new things and new experiences. And here is this incredible experience in himself of being without his Vulcan half. Mm. And what what a what a joy and what an amusing time and what a ride. And so I really leaned into that part of him, that that explorational, explorative part of him. I'm glad you brought up the exploration part because that's also been, I think, some of the criticism from some folks about this episode, actually, and that I want to address here. Uh, this was brought to me by my friend Giraffe over on Twitter from Strange New Pod. Uh, and that's that in this one, she kind of felt and others have felt, too, that Spock was kind of in this like tragic mulatto trope. I don't know if you're familiar with that. No. Um, so it's basically that, you know, like biracial people almost don't fit into a society and that they're meant for ultimately tragedy. And Spock uh, very much is a character who's in that sort of category uh, he's generally not viewed as like one of the higher up higher ones in the echelon in that category but he is seen as like that kind of a character who like doesn't really fit between two worlds you know yeah you know if we're talking like ds9 for example zial is a tragic mulatto that's that's a good example of that character and so in this one here some response has been that charades is almost like an analogy to mixed race people and you know by eliminating one half you're repairing them just like the alien entity says here oh wow yeah, you're making them better. So, um, you know, I'd love to hear, you know, because ultimately, too, this episode is more of an outlet for like, you know, Chaplet to say her feelings out loud more so than addressing the racial stuff with Spock. So I'd love to hear your take on this idea of Spock being a tragic mulatto here and the biracial erasure that some fans are feeling through charades. Wow, that's so interesting. I mean, it's funny because I, I'm, I'm playing this character. And obviously, I'm not biracial, and I can't really speak to that experience. Fortunately, we have writers that can, and that help me with that, and write beautiful scenes for and episodes for this character. But yeah, so that was never my perspective. For me, it's about embracing this side of him that he's really been ashamed of for so long. It's about him discovering the strength of it, and and that it is essential to the bigger his bigger picture into his wholeness so i don't think of it as like an erasure but i can totally see that that perspective and that's that's really interesting and unfortunate because i think that it's wonderful that he gets to experience what it's like to be totally human and he still doesn't really belong right i mean he gets advice from people but he knows that that's not who he is and so i guess that's tragic in a way but I love that he's so different and doesn't belong. And I think that's why he's special. And so I really see it as celebrating just one particular half of him. Because so often we're celebrating the Vulcan half of him, hmm. right? For his computational abilities and his his strength in problem solving under duress or under pressure, you hmm. know? So, but um, I'm sorry to hear that they feel that way. I don't think that's the intention at all. 
and, and not to downplay that heavy topic, because there is some validity to that. Um, and, you know, Spock is not like the poster boy for that tragic mulatto trope. But, you know, I, yeah. I had a view regarding race, uh, which is from the idea of like hiding yourself to fit in and specifically the immigrant experience. And I kind of mm-hmm. had that through Amanda Grayson, played by Mia Kirshner, who's a Jewish actress. And, uh, you know, I kind of like I was like, OK, you know, Nimoy was Jewish, Mia Kirshner, very Jewish. Spock has got some Eastern European coding in him. And it's very much for me, like seeing how this is immigrants having to hide parts themselves to fit into a new world. Uh, wow. yeah. so did you, did you feel any of that when you were filming this? No, that never came to mind. Um, again, that's like totally valid. And that makes a lot of sense to me. But for me, my, when I'm playing this character, I'm really focused on his experience. I'm not thinking too much about the external perception of what I'm doing. So for me, this episode was all about, about awe and wonder and, and adventure and this new self that he has temporarily. And, and there was so much joy in that and pain and tragedy. And it's the human experience. It's inspired by what happens to us here on earth, you know? I mean, there's absolutely a lot to pull out of this episode. And it's funny because this is like the fun comedy episode, but it's still so heavy with so many deep topics. And a lot of folks are reading this into, into very different ways. Yeah, I love that. That's awesome. I think that's evidence of it being a great episode if it inspires this discussion. Absolutely. Now, Ethan, you're two seasons into Strange New Worlds now. You played Spock on Discovery as well. And again, going back to how we started this interview by talking about the ready room with Will Wheaton. But I remember an interview you did with him as well, where you talked about like, you know, you were still working to understand the character. So at this point in here, with the way Spock's going, the way his character has been developing, do you feel like you know who he is now? Oh, my gosh. No, I don't. I mean, on some level, I know him better than before. But honestly, every episode I get is it it fills me with terror because I don't know how I'm going to do it. I don't know. I don't go into every episode thinking, I got this. I know how to do this. I go into every episode thinking, wow, <laughs> this is going to be really hard. And every day, every take is a big challenge for me because he's so, the, da- the the balance in him is so delicate. And this episode in particular was hugely challenging, right? To explore this sort of sectioned off human part of him that's still connected to how we know Spock, how I know Spock was really required some emotional acrobatics for me because I'm so used to playing him in a certain way. And uh, so, yeah, on the one hand, I do feel like I know him pretty well. I'm maybe sort of an expert on Spock at this point, you know, me and Zachary Quinto. Um, but every every episode teaches me and I learn from him constantly. And it will, that will continue. It never really feels like I know this. You know, it, it's always something uh, challenging and intimidating well i think you're doing a marvelous job i'm loving this version of spock here and i cannot wait to see what happens next with him so ethan thank you so much for your time today thank you so much great chatting with you that's it for this week's episode of trek untold and our strange new worlds debriefing thank you so much for checking this out i'd love to hear what you think about this and what you think about this format i'd love to do more reviews like this so if you guys are liking this let me know and the best way to do that is to hit me up on social media and, of course, also to follow me there, too. And that's at Instagram, at Twitter, Facebook, and, yes, even TikTok, all at Trek Untold. If you're watching this on YouTube, too, don't forget to leave a comment and a thumbs up on this video. And, hey, don't forget to subscribe, either. And that's YouTube.com slash at Trek Untold. If you'd like to support this podcast, 
go ahead and visit patreon.com slash trekuntold, and you can see some of the different ways that you can support this very show. I'm Matthew Kaplowitz. This has been Trek Untold. We will see you next time, and as always, fortune favors the bold. Trek Untold is sponsored by treksphere.com. Promoting fan-produced Star Trek content in all forms is powered by the Rageworks Podcasting Network and is affiliated with Nerd News Today.